0: Amen. Brother Kevin told me before the service that they were going to sing my favorite hymn right before I got up and preached, so I appreciate that so very much. What a message that we find in that hymn. If you'll take the Word of God and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, and while you're finding that, uh, again, how do you not get excited by that last verse? No condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in Him is mine. Amazing love, how can it be? that thou, my God, should die for me. I love, love that hymn. Matthew chapter 12 this evening. And I want to preach to you tonight on the subject of what is the treasure of your heart? What is the treasure of your heart? If you have Matthew chapter 12, we're going to begin our reading in verse number 33, and we'll read down through verse number 37. The Bible says, Matthew 12, 33, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things." But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Now shall we pray. Heavenly Father, once again I ask for thy Holy Spirit's filling. I ask for thy power as we open thy word and look into what you have for us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would direct my thoughts that You would hide me behind the cross. I ask that Thy Holy Spirit would do a work in hearts tonight. I pray that those listening over the radio, the live stream, and those who are seated here in this auditorium, when it comes time for the invitation, that they would respond according to how You've dealt with them in their hearts. And we trust that You would bless the preaching of Thy Word as Your Word never returns void. We hold this promise and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you and I look into the Bible and as we begin to study and to read our Bible from cover to cover, you will find over and over that the Word of God places a great emphasis on the hearts of man. You find many verses throughout its pages dealing with the heart. We can read of King Solomon, in his vast wisdom, by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, penned for us the famous passage in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, understand when we read this verse in Proverbs that the Holy Ghost is not speaking about our physical heartbeat, but that keeps us alive, but rather we are dealing with our spiritual hearts where our desires and our goals, where our compassion lies. He said to be diligent about this, to keep, to guard, to protect, and to be diligent in our guarding of our hearts. Do you realize tonight that we have been called, we have been commanded to labor and to strive every single day to protect our hearts? Now why is it that God would place such an emphasis on our hearts in His Word? Well, I believe that there is a very simple answer to this question. And that answer would be, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as a born-again child of God, we understand that our hearts belong to God. They're not ours. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I call your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Friend, understand tonight, you and I who are believers in Christ, our hearts belong to Almighty God. The Bible says here that we have been bought with a price. What was that price? It was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on our behalf. At salvation, when you and I repent of our sins and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in that exact moment, God the Holy Spirit comes to take residence within us. We have this very moment, God the Holy Spirit residing within us. What a blessing. What a thing to imagine that God Himself would come and dwell among sinful men. And in the, the, the idea of this is that in every facet of our lives, you consider that we are gods and everything that we are, we are to belong to God. Everywhere that we go, everything that we do, every, everything that we say, everything that we even think, God, the Holy Spirit, residing in us, bears. He goes where we go. He sees what we see. He understands what we think. God resides within us. And with that in mind, consider how often perhaps the Holy Ghost, rather than just simply being with us throughout our lives, oftentimes would have to endure when our lives are not measuring up to the Word of God, when we're not walking according to the truth of the Word of God, and we begin to see things we should not see and go places we should not go, and yet we have allowed the Holy Spirit of Almighty God to endure because our lives are not what they ought to be. I believe that it's because of this truth, because we belong to God, because God the Holy Spirit resides within us, we have a responsibility to control what we fill our hearts and our minds with. That is our responsibility to be separated, to be holy for our holy God. I draw your attention back to our text, Matthew chapter 12, and we'll read once again verse number 33. The Bible says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. If you were to underline things in your Bible, I would draw your attention to the last phrase, both in verse 33 and verse 34. The tree is known by His fruit, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I believe we find a tremendous truth that we see over and over again throughout Scriptures here in this phrase. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There is a truth throughout the Word of God that what is on the inside, our inner man, what is within our hearts, will always show up on the outside, on our outer countenance. We may be able to hide and put on a show for a time. We may be able to fool certain people with our actions You know, sometimes we can even fool our parents. We can fool our pastor. We can fool our children. And yes, we can even fool our closest friends if we so desire to do so. We are very good at putting on a facade. We have learned how to cross our T's and dot our I's. We know the spiritual language. We know the way to dress. We know how to carry ourselves. We know all the right answers to all the questions. It's not very hard to put on a show and allow somebody to see on the outside something that does not measure up with who we truly are on the inside. And yet I believe as the Bible is teaching us tonight, the tree is known by His fruit. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There will always come a point in your life and in my life when our true nature is revealed. Can you imagine the moment when our parents, when our pastor, when our loved ones, our children, or even our closest friends begin to realize that we are not who we claim to be. We are not as spiritual as we portray ourselves. See, we like to make ourselves look good and to pound our chest and to put on a show because it feels right. And yet, I remind you that what is on the inside will manifest itself on the outside. It'll show. It'll be revealed if we truly are walking with God, if our faith and our standards and our convictions are truly genuine, or if we have put on a show for some kind of a personal gain. I pray tonight that every member of Central Baptist Church would be found to walk in the truth in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To have that testimony here in this church. But the Bible says the tree is known by his fruit. You know, when you and I begin to look at a man's life, when you examine an individual, we at times, not always because we're not God, we cannot see the heart of man, but at times we can discover the character of an individual simply by looking at their lives. And oftentimes, it's not by watching someone's life in public, nor is it by listening to what they want us to hear, but by watching what their lives produce. We can determine the character of an individual so often by looking at the fruit that their life produces. Are are they producing the fruits of the Spirit? Is there evidence that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in their lives? Is there evidence that they have power with God because of their prayer life? Are they individuals who are faithful to the house of God, who are bringing souls down the aisle to receive Jesus as Savior? We can learn a lot about an individual based upon the fruit that he produces in his life. Isn't it interesting that we try so hard to hide things from one another? And we do. We don't want anyone to see our failures. We don't want anyone to see our weaknesses. And we try so hard to fool one another when in reality, what you think of me is really not that important. Because all the while, there is never a second in my life that my heart and my mind is not naked and open before my God. He is the one to whom we are accountable to. He is the righteous judge. And we waste so much of our energy trying to be fake on the outside when all the time God sees the heart. I think we should spend a whole lot more time in our lives on our knees making sure we're right with God rather than making sure that we look good in front of our friends, in front of our peers. God can see us all the while He says, the tree is known by His fruit. I wonder tonight, what is it that you are known by? What is the fruit of your life? What is it that others can look at your life and say, I can see the character, I can see the integrity of this person based off what they have produced with their lives. I wonder tonight, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh, what is it? that on a regular basis comes out in our day-to-day conversations, not the things that we say within the walls of church. We know how to talk here, but how about in our homes? How about in the privacy of those to whom we are closest to? We have the idea that even in our homes, we can get a little comfortable, a little relaxed, let our guard down a little bit. And yet, that's the time when it is revealed what is in our hearts. You know, when circumstances come our way, and we know that they will, we know that we are living in an imperfect world, when circumstances come our way, when the difficulties and the temptations of life come in and crash upon us, the actions that we take or the reactions that we make will determine, will reveal what was truly within our hearts. I want you to understand tonight that the natural man, the man that is without Jesus Christ, or even the carnal Christian who is away from God, running from Him, when that man goes through a valley, goes through a difficult trial in his life, there is quite the distinction for them and for the man who is walking with God. Take a man who is without Christ and take a man who is walking with God, saved, and allow both of them to go through a valley in their lives. And you're going to see a, a, a major distinction between the two. The natural man, the man that is away from God, may become very anxious and very fearful when the trials come. Why? He doesn't have the peace of God in his heart. He becomes fearful and anxious without anywhere to go. He may run to any and everybody but God for counsel. Oh, how often we're, we're guilty of going to so many other areas rather than going straight to our Father for the needs of our lives. The natural man will turn to things of this world and try to find relief. He may turn to worldly pleasures and lusts, to alcohol or entertainment. What I'm saying is outside of Jesus Christ, the natural man really cannot comprehend what is happening in his life has no idea what God's purpose is for him. And when things are not going well and he hits a brick wall and he comes to the place to where he has nowhere to go and has no idea what to do, he crumbles. He's fearful. He's anxious. Because he does not have Jesus within his life to make sense of the difficulties. He doesn't have Jesus to make sense of what's going on in the world around him. But if you take a believer you take a child of God who is walking with God, and you put that individual within a valley of life, you're going to see that there is a measure of peace and calmness within his heart. Why? The God of the universe is within His heart. That Holy Spirit, the Bible says He is our comforter. Not just in the good times, but in the bad times. And we have our comforter to make sense and to give us peace in the storm. You take that Christian, that man walking with God, he understands that God has a purpose in everything that He does. And he'll seek after that purpose. I believe that the man walking with God in his valley will glorify God in that valley He will come forth as a shining light in a dark world that is filled with people who will look at Him and have no understanding how somebody in that situation can bear that burden with such peace because it's beyond our comprehension. The God of all comfort will help Him through. Hey, what a testimony for the world. What a shining example when this lost and dying world can see somebody go through something unimaginable and do so with the hand of God on his life. The bright, shining example of a man walking with God. Again, in our text in verse 33, over and over I'm reminded that the Bible says, the tree is known by His fruit. And I'm just challenged tonight with the idea, what is my life known by? What do people look at Josh Henderson and say, This is the kind of man that he is. Do people look at me and say he's a spiritual man? Do they look at my life and say he's a man that loves God? Or do they look at my life, those who know me best, and say what a hypocrite? He knows how to put on a show, but what is his life really? Friend, I want to know tonight, what is the treasure of your heart? What is being produced in your life? What fruit do you have toward God? What rewards will you have in heaven that you have laid up for yourself serving Jesus Christ here and now? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Move down with me please to verse number 35. The Bible says here, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. I believe one of the ways to look at our hearts is to see our heart as a great treasure room. You imagine that with me. Your heart, your desires, your goals, your compassion, your spirituality is as a great treasure room where we find the things that are most dear to us. The Bible says in Matthew 6 and verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We find within our hearts the thing that is the most precious We place within our hearts the things that we have allowed to become the most valuable thing to us. And I wonder tonight, what is that treasure in your heart? Think about what you have placed the greatest value on. What is it that means the most to you in this world? What is it that occupies the majority of your day and your mind? And you have given yourself wholeheartedly your time and your energy and your effort and your love What is it that is the treasure of your heart? You think about the amount of time that we give to things of this world. I don't know what your treasure is tonight. It could be sports. There are people all over the world that are consumed with sports. They can't be in church on Sunday. There's a ball game going on. And they have allowed some sport to be the treasure of their heart. It occupies their mind, their heart, their love, their desire. For some of the young ones, it's video games. And they spend hours and hours in front of the TV screen playing a video game. And they can't get up and come to church. They can't go soul winning. They don't want to go to a youth rally and serve God. Why? Because the treasure of their heart is a video game. Maybe music or entertainment. Maybe the treasure of your heart is Netflix or some kind of streaming service. You know, it's amazing How many hours and hours can be wasted in front of a TV screen without even recognizing it? Folks can sit down and ten hours can go by in a moment. Ten hours that will never be given back to us again. It's addictive. And yet, people have allowed streaming services and Netflix to become the treasure of their heart. What a shallow thing to live for. Something that will produce no fruit for the things of God in their lives. Perhaps the treasure of your heart would be possessions that you pride yourself in. Maybe some vehicle or a house or a boat or whatever it is that you enjoy. I believe maybe the biggest thing here in America that would be a treasure would be money. How many people are consumed by the love of money? And it's all that they focus on. All they think about is how they can gain more power, more wealth, more finances. And the truth is tonight, each of these have the potential of becoming a god in our lives. They can become a treasure that we store within our hearts. When they become what is of greatest value, when they become what steals the majority of our time and our thoughts, We have allowed them to become the treasures of our heart. I look at folks who preach the Word of God. I look at just being in church and being a Christian. And if you're in church for any amount of time, what is the two things that you hear pastors preach about and say probably more than anything else they say in the pulpit? Read your Bible and pray. Oh, we hear so much about read your Bible and pray. We teach it. We preach it. We tell our teenagers almost every time we meet with them, you must be in the Word of God. You must spend time on your knees in prayer. But it seems like when we hear the preacher say he's going to preach on reading your Bible or praying, almost always it seems as though the congregation flips a switch and turns off their brains because they've heard it preached about so often. And the truth is, we need it. These two things are the key to the Christian life. They cannot be overemphasized. They cannot be spoken of too often. We are in desperate need of saturating our minds and our hearts with the Word of God. We need to spend much time on our knees communing with God in prayer. And yet, for... The vast majority of the folks in our church, we have prayer meetings on Monday nights. Four, maybe five, come and pray. I'm not saying you can't pray at home, but I'm saying we need prayer. We need time in the Word of God. We ought to surround ourselves, listen to me, with friends of like faith who can encourage us in the Lord. And you need friends to whom you can be an encouragement too. You see, it's not good when we're only receiving and receiving without ever having an opportunity to share what God has done in our hearts. I believe the biggest mistakes that we make as believers is spending too much time with others who do not value the things of God. Here's some examples of this. You think about how quickly a godly young lady can fall out of church when she begins to spend too much time with a young man who does not value the things of God. You've seen it over and over again. How quickly a sweet-spirited young man, eager and willing to serve God, turns into a rebel because he begins to spend too much time with somebody who does not value the things of God. Do you recognize tonight that the friends you choose have a large impact on your life? They have a large impact on your heart. And in order to bring forth these good things, he says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. What are those good things? I believe it's simply things that would bring glory to God. When a life produces things that are well-pleasing to God, produces things in his life that have eternal value, that will be rewards in heaven, when he produces something in his life that will turn the attentions of others to Christ, that is well-pleasing to the Lord. But in order to bring forth good things, in order to bring forth the things that are pleasing to God to produce godly fruit, We must walk with God. Every day we must walk with God. Not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but we must walk with God every day of our lives, being careful about what influences we allow to be seen and what influences we allow to be heard. We must walk in obedience to the Word of God. Friend, we need to fill our lives with godly people that will encourage us As we walk with Christ, listen to me, as we walk every day with the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to the Word of God, as we fill our hearts with the good things of the Lord, then our lives will begin to produce good things. Oh, what's the treasure of your heart? What are you producing? The tree is known by His fruit. Well, notice with me the next phrase here in Our text, verse number 35, the Bible says, And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Well, what are these evil things? The Bible tells us very plainly, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I believe the two things that we can fill our hearts and minds with that are the most damaging, the most evil, that will produce the most damage in our hearts is the world and self. And how often our hearts are so filled with me. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world." We can fill our heart with evil treasures, worldliness, and self. And I wonder tonight, have we become so distracted by the things of this world and by our own desires that we've become of no use to our God? The treasure of our heart, even if we're saved, can be evil. And our lives can be a hindrance to the Word of God. I wonder, have we spent more time feeding our heart and our mind the cares of this life than we have the bread of life? Have we devoted so much attention to others than we have to our God, worrying about our reputation and our image, rather than being clean and holy before our God? Not only should we not love this world, but the Bible says we go beyond that. The Bible says to abstain from even the appearance of evil. Hey, that's a tough verse, isn't it? It's not just avoid what is knowingly and obviously wrong, but even if it looks questionable, God says don't do it. Don't go there. Don't damage your testimony even if it looks questionable. We are to be above reproach. Why? We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His representatives on this earth to shine and show the love of Jesus Christ to this world. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate. God says that you and I ought to make a very clear distinction. We ought to stand separate from that which is not godly. Friend, tonight, what's in your heart? What's your treasure? Our passage said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you realize that you and I can be so filled with negativity... So filled with bitterness and idleness and worldly desires that in our day-to-day lives, out of the abundance of our heart, our actions reveal our character. In this case, if that's who we are, if we're always negative, if we allow the media to get us down, and we allow all these things, the cares of this world to discourage us, and we find that we're only producing out of our mouth negativity and bitterness or even just idleness, not willing to stand up and do something for God, then what we are producing, the Bible says, is evil. The things that hinder our personal walk with God and hinder the furtherance of the Gospel because of the treasures of our heart. Do you recognize tonight one of the greatest things that you and I possess is our testimony? Do you understand this evening that you and I, each and every one of us, from the youngest in the room to the oldest, we are underneath a magnifying glass. We all have somebody watching our lives at work and at school and at church, and maybe most importantly, in our homes. The place where we feel like we can let our guards down and relax, and yet we have children watching our lives. We have spouses watching our lives. We have a testimony to maintain. Friend, I would hate to know that because of my actions, I hindered somebody from coming to church or getting saved. And yet, I'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, stand before God one day and give an account for somebody that I may have turned away from God because I had a selfish moment. I had an unguarded moment. I had a time when I walked in my flesh rather than being surrendered to my spirit. And sadly, we see it all the time, don't we? You talk to people when you go door to door and they say things like, well, someone will say that if so-and-so is a Christian, I don't want to be one. What a sad testimony. They saw somebody who came to church and they didn't measure up on the outside with what they claimed to be on the inside. You run across people who say, well, I'd come to church, but you wouldn't believe what so-and-so said to me or what they did to me, and they were hurt by another brother in Christ. What a sad testimony. We have folks that constantly murmur and complain like the children of Israel. You know complaining will turn somebody off to the things of God as fast as anything else? being so filled with constant negativity about the things of God, and it comes directly from the mouth of brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, why is it that we complain? And let's just be honest, we all complain. Every one of us. Why? Why do we complain so often? Why is it just natural to be negative? Hey, it's because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. We haven't filled our hearts with the good things of God. I believe more than ever, you and I ought to live out of a spiritual overflow. We ought to be so filled with God's Word, so filled with a burning desire to please God, that in our day-to-day routine, we live out of an overflow. Let me tell you what I mean by this. If I were to take a glass like this right here, if I were to take a vessel, and I were to sit it on this table... And I'm not going to do it because I don't want Brother Etheridge mad at me. But if I were to sit that glass there and I were to grab a gallon of water and I were to begin to pour that water into this cup, eventually that water is going to reach the top of the cup. And as I would continue to pour water into that cup, that cup would begin to overflow and spill out. And I believe that in our hearts and in our minds, We are to live out of a spiritual overflow. Your heart, your mind should be so saturated with the Word of God and the preaching of God and prayer to God and praise to God that you live out of the overflow of your heart. And yet so often we find that we have to dig to the bottom of the barrel trying to grasp at some verse to get through the day or trying to depend on a past victory in our lives rather than living every day with fresh encounters from God out of an overflow. Friend, how full is your heart of the good treasure of our God? Are you living out of an overflow? Do you have daily encounters with your God? Or when trouble comes and trial comes, are you having to dig to the bottom of the barrel and find something years ago in your past to try to get you through the day? Friend, we need to live out of the overflow. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, "...my cup runneth over." All the goodness and the mercy of the Lord will follow me all the days of my life. The songwriter said, fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. I think the songwriter knew a little bit about being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He knew a little bit about living out of the overflow. You know, as we wrap this up, let me give you an illustration of this truth in the Bible. Let me give you a Bible illustration. I want you to think with me for a moment about the example of Job. We are very familiar with the story of Job. And the Bible says that he was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. He was a man who had learned the importance of speaking with God. In fact, we find out in chapter 1 that out of concern for his family, thinking that they may not be right with God, the Bible says Job prayed continually. What does that mean? Every day, day after day, he prayed for his family. He spoke with God the Bible tells us that he had everything that he could ever want. And yet it would not be long before great tragedy would strike and Job would go through a valley. The Bible teaches us that he lost his possessions, he lost his wealth, he lost his family. And if that wasn't enough, he would allow, his body would be covered from head to toe in sores. Later on, his own wife would say to him, curse God and die. Job went through one of the greatest valleys in all the world. And yet, I want you to hold your place in Matthew and turn back to Job chapter 1. I want you to lay eyes on it. Job chapter number 1. For all that he went through, for the the devastation and the trials and the way Satan attacked this righteous man, the Bible says in Job chapter 1 and verse 21, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Catch this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Hey, he, pr- he, he praised the Lord. He blessed God. What a testimony! But I want you, if you would, just for a moment, please... Would you insert your name every time you see Job's name in the Bible? As you read through this story, would you put your name in Job's place? And if God were to require of you everything that Job endured in this first chapter, if God were to take away your possessions and your family and your wealth, and perhaps even your spouse would turn against you, I wonder tonight, and you ask yourself right now in your heart, out of the abundance of your heart tonight, what would your reaction be? Would you give up on God? Would you curse Him? Would you be so consumed with the loss that you wished for death? Listen, Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hey, Job praised God. He glorified God. The Bible says in all of it, He sinned not. Neither charged God foolishly. That tells me he didn't have a moment of complaint. He didn't have a moment where he said, Why me? Why me? God is being unfair. He had a right attitude toward God. But don't miss this. The only reason that Job was able to respond the way that he responded is because he had filled and saturated his mind and his heart with Jesus Christ. The treasure of his heart was the good things of God. And out of that overflow, that good treasure, the Bible says he brought forth good things. What is it that Job produced with his life? I believe with all my heart, Job produced Christ's likeness. Jesus Christ was crucified, beaten and afflicted for your sins and for mine. Did he lash out? No, he praised God. He glorified God and Job in the trial of his life brought forth Christ likeness. And I wonder this evening, based off this week alone, let alone this year, based off this week in your life, your walk with God this past 7 days, when the bad times come, when the circumstances of life come crashing in like a mighty flood, if God would allow you to go through a valley this coming week, how would you respond? What is in your heart that will be revealed at that time? And it will be revealed. I conclude back in our text with verse number 36. Matthew 12 and verse 36, But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. God says there's coming a time when we're going to stand before Him and the account that we give will be so severe, will be so intense that every single idle word out of our mouths we will give an account of. Listen, friend, you will stand before Almighty God and you and I will give an account for how we dealt with our hearts. We will give an account to God for how we allowed our hearts to be filled. We'll answer to God for what our treasure is. Whether we filled our heart with the good things of God and produced fruit that would be to our account, or whether we filled our hearts with world and self, and in so doing brought forth sin and a stumbling block to others. Friend, tonight, if God were to require of you before you laid your head on your pillow, if God were to require of you tonight to stand before Him, are you ready to give that account of what you've done with your heart this week? Let's bow for a word of prayer.